Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. I love about God that He's always doing something new, that He's always doing something fresh. I love about the church and about the people of God that we've continued to grow and we've continued to do new things and continue to find new ways to proclaim His goodness and His glory and His majesty. That as far as the earth stretches, there would be a people who are looking for fresh ways to say you are worthy and you are glorified and you are magnified and you are honored. But sometimes, I want to say the words that those who didn't even know yet that they were looking at the Christ said, the words that believers for thousands of years, for generations on generations have said when they can't find anything else to say, they've simply said, Hosanna, let our King be lifted up. And on this Palm Sunday, I just want to say glory to God in the highest. Hosanna to his name. Hosanna to our God. That we acknowledge you and we see you as our King in glory. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. This morning on this Palm Sunday, I'm looking forward to bringing to you a message that I am calling, The Sound of Victory Has Been Announced. If you want an alternate title, you can call it Muddled Memories. But as you're seated, you can turn to the book of Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. It's unfair and it's rude sometimes when you have more than one preacher in your family. Thank you, Tracy. Because when I said muddled memories, most of you got confused, but dad said, oh, I like that, I like that. Because when you preach to preachers, they know where you're going before you get there. Hey, before we get into all of that, I don't know if you've heard, but we had a fantastic day here at Cornerstone Church yesterday. If you were part of the egg hunt, can I just say a huge thank you to you. You did a phenomenal job. It took dozens and dozens and dozens of volunteers to make yesterday happen. We had over 800 kids and their parents and families signed up and coming through this building to run through a glow-in-the-dark Easter egg hunt. And one of the things that I love about this church, actually two things that I love about this church that collided in perfect unison yesterday, is I love that you are a resilient, gritty bunch of somebodies. 
And I also love that you are flexible and ready to pivot and to turn. And we used both of those incredible qualities yesterday. We woke up early yesterday morning and found out that the power, or sorry, that the wind had taken out the electrical power to this building. And if you are trying to put on a glow-in-the-dark Easter egg hunt for over 800 children and their families, you probably know that you need electricity to do that. And so we showed up, and as the gritty group that you are, we were working on alternate plans. People were finding battery-operated blue, what are they called, black light? Black light flashlights that we were gonna be able to try and take families through through that. And then there was like another group that was just interceding. Someone told me that Tracy found a power box somewhere and laid hands on the power box where she was and said, Lord Jesus, and whatever she did worked because at 9.30, 30 minutes before families were ready to show up, the power flashed back on in the building. And so we pivoted back to our original plans of how everything was gonna run. Everyone shuffled back to their originally assigned stations and we had a fantastic, incredible day with just a couple more power surges throughout the day but continued and people were here from early in the morning, 7.30, 8 a.m. until late in the afternoon, two, three, the power turned off something on the screen and somebody must have fixed it because it's working again today. You guys are just absolutely incredible group of people and Phil and I are so thankful for everyone who showed up and made that incredible day happen. One of the things that I love about the Easter egg hunt, watching groups come through and families and friends and all of them come through, is the incredible gift that it is for us to be able to give to people these special family memories together. When you're raising kids and you're in all of the here and the there and the bustle and the to-do, one of the most valuable things you can have is creating these special memories together where you go, man, we had fun that day. Man, I saw my kid discover something that day. I played in a bounce house with my kid and just, we made a memory together and I'm so grateful that we were able to give, our, give the families that came through here a good memory together. And even better that they would have that good memory together around the people of God and around a place that is dedicated to the name of God and to declaring who Jesus is because memories are such a vital part of who we are. And the thing about memories that's funny is as you grow, you often have memories that you look back on and they're not quite as clear as they used to be or they're not quite as singular as they used to be. You have memories that take on all kinds of different feelings and different emotions. As you grow through life and you have more experiences in life and more things change and alter in your life, I've found for myself at least that I look back on memories and very few memories elicit a single emotion from me anymore because I look at them and they have so much complexity. This last week, Phil and I celebrated our 11th wedding anniversary. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
Thank you. You all should really be applauding for Phil. I am an absolute mess to live with in physical and emotional ways, and he has continued to show up every single day and put up with it. And it has been so much fun because when you have things like anniversaries, of course, you look back at all of your memories. You sit and you think about all of the different things that have happened and all of the different things that have changed and the things that you thought would be the same and the things that have turned out different. And as we were looking back, I have this one photo of Phil and I, and it's one of my favorite photos of us. And the reason that it's one of my favorite photos is not because it was a photo taken on our wedding day on one of the best days of our lives or a photo that was taken when we went on one of our favorite trips or a photo that was taken on one of the days our kids came home because that is an incredible, amazing day. It's actually a photo that was taken in one of the hardest seasons of our life. It was a photo that was taken when we felt confused and when we felt stressed and when I learned that you actually can be so stressed that you don't eat. You know how much I love to eat. And I used to hear people say things like, I was so stressed, I just couldn't even eat anything. And I was like, I do not know about that kind of stress. That has never happened to me. But when you keep walking for a while, you have new experiences in your life and you find out that things that you used to judge that other people said all of a sudden make sense to you. And I learned during that season that you can, in fact, be so stressed out that you have to tell yourself, I have to eat something. It was an awful season. But it's one of my favorite photos. Because also when I look back on that photo, I look at it and I remember how we grew in our faith with God during that season. And I remember with pride how we didn't quit in the midst of that season. We didn't quit on each other and we didn't quit on the things God called us to and we didn't quit on our faith. And I remember how our love and our relationship grew stronger and deeper. And so even though when I look at that photo, I remember all of that stress, it's also a little bit muddled because I look at it and I also remember all of the things that were grown in us and all of the ways that we kept. And then I have to look at it with a little bit of joy of how far God has brought us. And I have to look back at it with a little bit of pride for the fact that we've grown and we've continued to walk and we've continued. There are memories that you look back on in your life and they're not quite as simple as I thought memories would be when I was growing up. You have memories that you look back on of moments with friends, and when you think about the moment, it brings you such joy and such happiness and such glee because it was a moment when you were all together at a party, but you also know what's coming from that photo. You know that it wouldn't be too much longer and somebody would get a diagnosis. You know that it wouldn't be too much longer and that friend group would break up. You know that it won't be too much longer. And so you look back on the photo and it's filled with joy, but at the same time, it's a little bit muddled together because you know what's coming. Palm Sunday is a little bit like that for me. It's a day of such joy. And it's a day of such celebration. It's a day of an announcement of such victory when the palm branches are going. And in my mind, the sun is shining and the sky is blue, not like today. Actually, this is so funny. We live in the Midwest. 
And the other day we were talking to our kids and we were going through like colors because we have toddlers. And we were like, hey, and what color is the sky? And with all confidence, my four-year-old was like, gray. <laughs> and a little part of me died, I think. <laughs> and I, I didn't know what to tell him. I was like, I mean, yes, not what I was looking for, but acceptable answer. And in my mind, Palm Sunday is not a day where the sky is gray and where people are like just drudging out to see Jesus. It's a day where the sky is blue and is bright and the sun is shining and people have come from all around to line the streets and to wave their branches and to lay them out and to cry out, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. It's a day of celebration. Let's look at it. It's in the book of Luke. Well, it's in all of them. Well, I think all of them, yep. Yes, but we're looking at Luke. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28. It says, and when he had said these things, he being Jesus, of course, he went on ahead up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who are sent went and they found. Those who were sent are the ones who went. And because they were sent, they found. There's a difference between going when you're sent and going because you just went. But these ones were sent. And because they were sent, they went ahead. And because they were sent and they went, they found. There's a difference between sent and staying. You can't stay when God sends you or you'll never find what he's sending you after. And you can't go when he's not sending you or you won't find what he's sending you after. Judas went when he was not sent. But these who were sent went and it says they found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. Like, that's a full explanation. And the man apparently accepts it because it says, and they brought the donkey to Jesus, throwing their cloaks on the colt, and they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, he spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, blessed is he, the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered them, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. It's a moment of rejoicing and it's a moment of celebration and it's a moment of victory and it's a moment where Jesus is recognized, but I know what's coming. I know what's coming down the line. 
I know what there is. I know when I listen to it. I know when I read the story that this is the moment where Jesus is being announced as the king that he is, where he is entering into the city, riding on the colt. I know that it is the moment where people are recognizing that he is the prophesied one, that he is the Messiah, that after all of these years of walking around and after all of these years of his ministry and after all of this time of waiting he is finally entering into Jerusalem and people are finally seeing and recognizing that he is the one who has who has fulfilled all of the prophecies I know when I hear this moment and when I read the story that Jesus is riding in as a fulfillment of the words that Zechariah spoke and Zechariah 9 and I know that the people who are watching it know that this is a prophetic fulfillment that they are seeing in front of them right now. I know that all of this is happening, but the memory is still a little bit muddled. Even as he rides on that donkey, on that colt that has never been ridden on before, and I watch him riding in in my mind, and I know that it is a declaration that he is a king of peace. I know that as he gets on that donkey, it is an intentional choice to ride in on the colt, not on a horse, which would be the ride of a king who is declaring war, but he is riding on the donkey, which is the position of a king who is declaring that I am coming in peace. I know that as he rides in, he is saying to the people, I'm not coming to proclaim war. I'm coming to proclaim peace. I have come to be your king of peace. I have come to make peace in this world, that that is the statement that he is making. I know that as he rides on this donkey, it is a picture for us. Matthew tells us that there was an older donkey and a younger donkey, and that Jesus is bringing in and coming in with both of them to show us and to remind us that he is the king who is the fulfillment of the old thing and of the old law and he is Lord over all of it and to show us that he is bringing in a new thing that you haven't yet seen and that nobody has ridden on that there is a new covenant that is in the way and he is king over the old thing and he is king over the new thing as he rides in on this donkey this burden bearer this beast of burden to give us the picture that he is our burden bearer, that he is the one who will bear the weight of every heaviness, and he is the one who will take on every yoke that is too much for you in the way that this donkey carries the burden and carries the weight and carries the heaviness. He says, I am the one. Come lay your heaviness on me. Come lay your burdens on me. Come lay your yoke on me because I am the one. I know that as I think about him riding on the donkey, that it's all of this and yet the memory is muddled I know that as he comes in they are announcing and they are seeing the majesty of who he is as king that they are declaring 
that he is the God they have been waiting for, the Savior they have been longing for, that he is finally, oh, what it is to be recognized and what it is to be acknowledged. Jesus, who has been wandering around, Jesus, who has been living as just those among them, is in this moment where everyone sees and everyone recognizes. Do you know what it is to be seen? Do you know what it is to be recognized when someone says, I see the greatness on the inside of you, and I see the majesticness of who you are, and I see the glory all around you, and the people see it to such an extent and to such a place that it causes Psalm 118 to start welling up on the inside of them. They start declaring Psalm 118 and 25 where it says, save us, we pray, O Lord. Oh, Lord, we pray, give us the success. And blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless the house of the Lord. They are declaring his majesty and his wonder. They are crying out for who he is because they have seen him. And the majesty of who he is is being announced. But it's a muddled memory because I know that in just a few short days, before the echoes of Hosanna have stopped bouncing off the walls of Jerusalem, they will turn into cries of crucify him. The sound of victory is echoing in the streets today. But when I think about it, it's muddled because I know it's not gonna take long until Hosanna turns in to crucify. To all those streets that were lined, where did all of the Hosannas go? Where did all of the shouts go? Where did all of the cries of save us, O Lord, where did they all, I have to ask myself between now and a few days from now, where have all of the Hosannas gone? Did they change sides? Are the same people who were shouting Hosanna the same people who are now in the square shouting crucify him? I think some of them did. I think some of them moved. And to be honest, I kind of get that because it's so easy to be tossed back and forth. I find myself, I mean, pick a topic and I find myself reading an article, listening to an expert, and going, oh, okay, that's what we're supposed to be eating now. And then two days later, I've heard another article and another expert, and they're telling me everything that that person told me that I'm supposed to be eating is killing me and toxic. And then two days later, there's somebody else and they're like, no, that guy is wrong, and that guy is wrong, what you need to be, and in the course of a week, I have been vegan, and I have been paleo, and I have been no we, and I have been we need we, and I'm like, I don't, because I'm just, I'm all over the place just trying to keep up with what we're, so it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me that I just got caught up with the crowd and it felt good. And so I started saying, Hosanna, yes, Lord, in the name. 
And then a couple days later, I was down in the square and everybody seemed real upset and somebody said they weren't sure he was legit. And so I was like, well, then we should crucify him. <laughs> what? And it makes sense to me because when I read it in the text, I'm like, how dare they? But when I look in my week, I'm like, yeah, I see that. I see that. I think it's why when Paul was writing to the Ephesians, he told them, don't be children anymore. In Ephesians 4, he said, so that you may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and human cunning and of craftiness in deceitful schemes. It was a message for the people then and it is a message for the people now. Do not be thrown back and forth by every wave. The motion of the crowd is a wave and it will throw you back and forth and to and fro and coming and going. I don't know if you've ever actually been caught in a wave and thrown by it, but it is a very confusing, disorienting, unsettling experience and it leaves you feeling small and weak and incapable. Some of the issues you are facing in your life are because you have too too many voices throwing you back and forth and to and fro and you're caught up in every single wave and you're grown but you sound like a high schooler. Are we friends with them today or are we not friends with them today? Are we on for this today or are we not on for this today? Do we wear pink on Fridays still or do we wear green on Fridays now? What do you know? Get stable. Get settled. Don't be thrown back and forth about childish ways. You have to get settled in who you are. I think some of the Hosannas just got caught up in the midst of the wave and in the midst of what was going back and forth and they couldn't find their footing and before they knew it they were standing there crying crucify him when days before they had been standing there saying Hosanna because they weren't settled in themselves and they didn't know what they were saying and they weren't sure what was going on and I think some of them just got distracted. They didn't know what was going on. They cried out, Hosanna, and that was fun, and woo, that was a good time on Sunday. And I shouted, and I felt good, and whoo, and then they just went back to their life. And it was Tuesday, and they are just doing their thing on Tuesday. They had their little spiritual experience this weekend. It was hype. We were shouting. This guy was there, and we were like, Hosanna! Okay. But now it's Tuesday. So I'm just back out doing what I do. And they didn't even know that a crisis is happening in the city square. They didn't even know that this faith was supposed to, that Hosanna was supposed to keep coming with them. That shout of praise was supposed to carry with them into their Tuesday and into their Wednesday. They weren't supposed to leave it at their weekend. They weren't supposed to leave it there with the crowd. They were supposed to carry some of it with them and they just got distracted and they weren't there to protest and they weren't there to sing out their support and they weren't there to interject when others started crying out, crucify him because they had just gotten 
distracted. And I think worst of all, in my opinion, is some of them just succumbed to cowardice. And they stood there and they knew what they had seen and they knew what they had heard and they knew what they had felt and they cried out, Hosanna. But the sound of the crowd started getting pretty loud and the sound of the crowd started feeling a little bit unsettled and the sound of the crowd was a little bit uneasy and they were really down with Jesus who makes sure the party keeps going and turns the water into wine. And they were really down with Jesus who brings Lazarus back from the dead. That was cool, Jesus. And they were really down with the Jesus who was riding in on a donkey. But this following Jesus thing feels like it's getting a little bit dangerous. This following Jesus thing feels like it's going to cost me something. This following Jesus thing feels like it's going to put me outside of the tone of what everyone, oh, it is. A terrible place to be to have your accusers coming against you and the voice of those who are for you to be afraid to speak up it is a terrible place to be for the sound of your accusers to be getting louder and louder and for the voice of the hosannas in your life to be getting quieter and quieter because they're afraid. They're afraid of what the crowd might say to them. And they're afraid of what the crowd might do to them. And they're afraid to get caught in the after splash of everything that's going on. And they don't want to get caught up in this mess. And they don't want to get caught up in what everything that's going on. And so they just silenced their sound. And the sound of hosannas, the sound of victory that had been announced grew quieter and quieter while the sound of the accusers grew louder and louder. And Palm Sunday is a reminder to us that before Jesus went through what he was getting ready to go through, before the sound of the crowd got louder, before the sound of the crowd grew against him, there was a sound of victory that was announced ahead of time. That as he came marching up the city, there was a sound of victory that was declared out ahead of him. There was a sound of overcoming. There was a sound of this is the king. There was a sound that he is already victorious that went out ahead of Jesus ahead of time. And the question is, can you still hear the sound of victory? Can you still hear the sound of Hosanna? Can you still hear the sound of victory that was declared? Because the Jewish people had a history of sending their victory out in front of them. The Jewish people had a history of sending their praise department in first, of sending the sound of victory in the camp, not waiting until they came back with their spoils, but saying, before we even get to this battle, before we even come into this trial, there is a sound 
of victory that goes out ahead of us. And the sound of victory is our declaration that we will overcome this thing, that we will come through victorious, that we believe that God is working for us and in us and through us and that he's already on our side. The sound of Palm Sunday is the sound of victory being released. And the question is, as you go through the trial, can you hold on to the sound of victory? The trial is still there. The trial is still coming. Over the coming days, Jesus would find himself betrayed by a friend. But can you still hear the sound of victory? And he would find himself disowned by one of his closest friends in Peter. But can you still hear the sound of victory? He would find himself accused by the crowd of things that he had never done and of who he never was. But can you still hear the sound of victory in the midst of the trial? He would hear the crowd choose a murderer over him. But can you still hear the sound of victory? I know that you are walking through some heavy moments, but can you still hear the sound of victory? I know that you are still treasuring on in the midst of it, but can you still hear the sound of victory? Can you hear the sound of hosannas being cried out? I know that there is a lot that's going on in your world, but can you still don't lose the sound of victory in the midst of your trial? The sound of victory is announced ahead of time. The sound of victory has been announced before you even stepped on the scene. The sound of victory was announced before you ever came into this moment and into this impasse. Can you still hear the sound? The test of the week is can you hold on to the sound of victory that has been released? I know that the trial feels heavy, but victory has been announced. I know that the trial seems uncertain, but victory has already been announced. I know that the trial feels heavy, but victory has already been announced. I know that the trial feels like more than you can bear, but victory has already been announced. I know that the trial feels like there's no way out, but victory has already been announced. I know that the trial feels dark, but victory has already been announced. I know that the trial has you feeling tossed to and fro, but victory has already been announced. I know that the trial has you wondering, has he left you? Has he lost you? Has he forsaken you? Has he abandoned you? But victory has already been announced. I know that in the midst of the trial, you're thinking about going back and you're thinking about looking back and you're thinking about that relationship that was, but victory has already been announced. Don't lose the sound of victory in the midst of your trial. Don't lose the sound of victory that was already declared. Don't lose the sound of victory just because the crowd has turned on you. Don't lose the sound of victory just because you're unsure and uncertain and you can't see it. Victory has already been announced. There is a sound of victory. There is a sound of victory that is being announced over your life and over this house. His sound over you is victory. Victory is yours in the midst of the trial. 
Don't lose the sound of victory. I know when you look back, it feels muddled, but don't lose the sound of victory. He's right there in the midst of it. He's right there in the midst of it. It's the sound of victory over your life. Come on, if you can still hear the sound of victory, just lift your hands where you are and say, I know that victory is mine. I know that he has already overcome. I know that he is declaring something and I know that he is doing something in this season. Don't lose the sound of victory. Don't lose the sound of victory in your life. 